Hey, and welcome to episode seven of the Set Sail podcast. Today, we're going to pull an interview out of the vault. And it's really cool, actually. That's with Jonathan Dane of Client Boost. And they are a PPC, so Google AdWords and Facebook ads. Uh, they're a management company. And their clients include people like Thinkific, um, Latote, Juniper Network, Stanford University, Segment. Um, I'm sure there's a couple other big ones I'm missing here. Airbnb, Brinks, SAP. So ton of ton of really cool companies, big and medium size, I guess you could say. And we talk about a ton of stuff in about 45 minutes. So we go over um, why certifications are kind of worthless. Um, why you should use multi-step landing pages. Tips for dealing with slow clients, uh, the iceberg effect. You'll have to listen on to learn about what that is and why it's so important. And then um, landing page and AdWords tips and tricks and all kinds of all kinds of other cool stuff. So, so I hope you sit back and relax and enjoy. I hope you learn a ton. And without further ado, let's get right into the interview with Jonathan Dane of Client Boost. I'm so grateful. Thank you. That's uh, that's very exciting news. I hope we start off with a bang. <laughs> of course, of course. Um, so, can you just give uh, give the audience a brief background of kind of who you are and what you do and how you got into PPC? Yeah. So, my name is Jonathan Dane. Um, I run an agency right now called Client Boost. We're like a PPC and landing page hybrid shop in a nutshell. Um, I got my start into PPC. Um, like a long, long story short, but equally as funny, um, I used to advertise on Craigslist a lot for uh, car detailing services that I would actually go out and wax people's cars. Um, and I figured out that um, the competitors to what I was doing were all text-based Craigslist ads with no visuals at all. And I'm like, well, I can do this better. I can be more creative than them. And then after a while, I started getting enough business to being able to make $300 to $400 a day on the busy days and you know, basically waxing cars for like 10 hours, which is pretty grueling. Uh, you get pretty tired. And so that was basically my start to where I then learned about AdWords and PBC later down the road. Um, this is now my second agency out of college. I started one in Utah. I uh, left that after being there for about a year and a half. And um, yeah, now my wife and I have our roots here in, in Huntington Beach, California, and uh, that, that's where we are. Awesome. So you were you were running ads t- to go wax cars for yourself? Well, for like people who were on Craigslist looking for auto detailing services. And so, you know, it doesn't cost anything to post ads on Craigslist. You just have to follow their rules. And so every, the only thing that I would do is just refresh my own ads using my own time um, and then going out <laughs> in, uh, in like a RAV4 Toyota uh, with no hookup to anything. It was like I had to use people's hoses. It was very... Very, very poorly done by me, and maybe that's the reason why nobody ever called me back to come and detail their car again. So, <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> there's no uh, no lifetime value. Just uh... no, no, not, not not many repeat customers in that field. For myself, at least, I'm sure if you do it right, there will be. Yeah, it's funny because I I just had someone reach out to me, you know, potential client, and they're like a mobile uh, auto detailing, so kind of kind of similar. You like go to them and yeah, hey. 
talk talk to me about it. I'll uh, I'll help put together the game plan. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, no, that kind of leads into the next next question. Here is for um, a lot of people just getting started with AdWords. I'm sure you uh, like audit a lot of a lot of accounts mm-hmm. with your agencies. Yeah. What are um, some common mistakes you see people um, make? I think I think most of the time people get obsessed with all the things that you can track when it comes to digital marketing and not not just PPC, right? And so there's a lot of metrics that can be um, kind of misleading. I think one of the funniest things is when you actually take it back to basics. Before you even knew about AdWords or any other type of marketing, you only looked at it because it was a channel to make money, right? And right. so in the meantime, as people have gotten along and they have their AdWords account running and data's coming in, they now see like CTRs and quality scores and all these fancy acronyms, impression shares and what have you, and they get obsessed with those and they want to try to improve those before they try to improve their closing rate or like their sales rate and then their conversion rate and their cost per conversion and then coming back to the metrics. So one of the things that we always ask is because usually – um, the audits that we do, and when we look at accounts and give them an evaluation, they already have data. They're usually working with another agency that they're not happy with. And so I basically ask them, well, what's your goal? Let me make sure that everything that I tell you is in relation to that goal that you're trying to accomplish. And so I then ask them, well, what has the current agency done uh, to match that or like at least make progress towards it? And they, really, they usually don't have an answer, right? And so that that makes it very easy for me to say, like, well, anything that I tell you now um, is, is, you know, we're talking about, you know, you making more money. That is, at the end of the day, nothing else matters. And so some of the biggest things that are, del- are preventing people from doing that is literally having, if it's in the lead gen or SaaS space, they don't have sales tracking set up, meaning they're not tracking through um, from their leads to their CRM, you know, which keywords are responsible for the sales. They only can track the ones that are responsible for the leads. And that's a big no-no in my, in my book because otherwise you don't know really what's making you money. Um, the other thing is, is what we call the iceberg effect. And I'm just going to give you two for the sake of time too. Um, yeah, you wrote a, you wrote a post, I believe, about this yeah, too. So. Yeah, yeah. So not too long ago, I was like, Ooh, let, me, let me coin this something very fancy and let me just call it the iceberg effect. <laughs> um, but if you think about the visual of an iceberg, you basically have what you see above the surface of the water, right? And then you usually have an iceberg that's a lot, lot bigger below the surface. If you think about this in relation to what most people use AdWords for, which is a search network, the keywords that you're bidding on are what are above the surface and the search terms that you aren't really controlling are what's beneath the surface. So if you have like a, a, a search term to keyword ratio of 50 to 1, meaning for every keyword that you're bidding on, there's 50 different search terms beneath the surface, all of those search terms have different conversion intents, they have different uh, average cost per clicks and ultimately they also have just different sales rates right so if you're actually doing the good job of tracking sales you're really screwed on the search term side because the data doesn't give that it only gives it to you at the keyword level and so once i tell people that well hey if you actually extract your search terms from what's beneath the surface and like hack away at this iceberg and make a lot of smaller icebergs you will win because you can expose those search terms you can now control them with keyword level bids and now you can also track them and what happens is if you create what we use over here at Client Boost as single keyword ad groups, you basically um, stand a chance to have a lot higher CTR, a uh, click-through rate, because your your keyword is now specific to your ad, um, and even so, before that, your search term is is relevant to your your keyword as well. And so, when your CTR improves, your quality scores go up, your average cost per click goes down, and when your average cost per click goes down, your average cost per conversion goes down as well. And that's this is just 
AdWords stuff only, right? We're not even talking about the landing page yet. So we we have the the luxury of being able to operate on both sides of the of the fence um, and being able to pull those levers at the same time. So those are the the two biggest things that I'm like most people get wrong, and it's just me coming in there just like a hungry wolf and just like blowing at their AdWords account as if it's like made out of sticks and straw, and it usually always works. That's a good. That's a good uh, analogy. You know, it's funny because I see the I see the same thing. You know, people may or may not be tracking leads, but but so many times they're really not tracking things all the way back to the sale. You know, mm-hmm. through their CRM. And I know that that AdWords recently announced an upgraded integration with Salesforce. So it's always good to see those things kind of right. moving forward. I, yeah, I didn't even, I didn't even know that. And it's like it, it's it's not that they don't. A lot of people that are the naysayers of this is like, well. You don't have enough data. I'm like, that's true. But if you have two keywords that are performing exactly the same inside of AdWords at the cost per conversion uh, rate level or the conversion rate, or sorry, the cost per conversion and the conversion rate level, um, then if you just have a, a month's worth of sales data or two months, you get a pretty clear picture whether the, the closing rate of keyword one is 50% and the closing rate of keyword two is 10%, right? And so now the goals that you might have set up, and this is great too because a lot of people are like well i don't know what my cost per acquisition goal should be uh you know cost per conversion uh, as low as possible i'm like well dork like that's a stupid answer because you're going to eventually just sabotage your volume because you keep going as low as you want but it's not you're not going to be able to like balance the profit you're making so anyway i gotta like explain that math to them yeah lead um, quality you know makes a huge difference so. that that too and so it, it really is a, a way to track lead quality and then when you have that data you just go back into AdWords and say oh like for keyword number one I can afford to pay much more in a cost per acquisition level. And this is also usually what happens when competitors are a little bit more advanced than, than they are because they then know that, oh, that's me- maybe the reason why that keyword is so much more expensive you know, because it has the intent not only to convert as a lead but also close as a sale. And so that integration with Salesforce sounds like it's a step in the right direction. Yeah, no, yeah, no, it's, it's good to see there. You know, AdWords doesn't always make it – clear that you should be adding conversions unless you really know what you're doing so it's kind of right. kind of good to see them going in that direction a little bit yeah yeah they always they always try to balance it like what's in the best interest of them and their shareholders which is obvious they should do that <laughs> yeah. uh, but it's trying to like give us more insight and sometimes it's just a purposely um their priorities obviously what they want to roll out on their on their development side but then also knowing like you know if that happens and people do get to see what actually makes them money not just leads um, you can effectively cut your budget in half and have the same amount of sales, right? And so that's that's what they want to semi avoid if they can. But they also hope that you're smart enough to then double down on what is actually making you money to maybe do spend more and and trying to exhaust you know the the amount of uh, volume behind those type of, type of keywords. Yeah, yeah. A lot of uh, clients will always say that they'll they'll increase their budget too, right? If they're if they're doing well, but yeah, that, it's that like doesn't the, always it's a. It's such a broken record because <laughs> they're like, oh, but we have unlimited amounts of money if you hit these numbers. I'm like, yeah, okay, but that's also predicated on you being able to close yeah, uh, exactly. at the same level that you're doing now. And when we launch new um, campaigns and, and that introduces new traffic temperatures to the mix, um, it's going to be different for you. So good to know. Thank you. Everybody says that. But um, let's move on. <laughs> right, right. Glad, glad that um, we're, not, we're not alone yep. Keep hearing the same things. Um, so you mentioned single keyword ad groups. Would you would you even recommend people do that if they're just getting started for the first time and maybe managing an account on their own? 
I mean, so so yes and no, because single keyword ad groups take time. But if you're brand new to the game and you want to just launch five keywords, um, most of the things that pre- that's preventing people from actually using single keyword ad groups is because they're not familiar with AdWords editor, right? So it takes them like forever to do it within the regular interface. And so brand new advertisers, they'll be like, Oh, I don't even I don't even know how to execute on that because it's just too cumbersome to actually go through. Um, but if you do do it, the answer is like it will absolutely have a, a more positive effect than any other way that you want to do it. Because if you think about it, you have an, you have like a spectrum, and on both ends of that spectrum are the extremes. Meaning, on one end you have complete crap and chaos. Meaning, there's no structure to anything that you're doing. You're just trying to get traffic, uh, and then on the other side, you're trying to get as granular as completely possible, right? And so, in between those two extremes are what you have. What Google currently recommends is themed ad groups. So it's a step on being from complete chaos and randomness to some kind of structure. But then if you want to take it further, why wouldn't you go single keyword ad groups? The only downside is it takes more time, right? Or in fact that it does dilute your data so you're not able to test ads that fast. But let's be honest, like not nobody's going to keep testing 10 different ad copies and keep getting wins all the time. So that's kind of like a, a mute point at the same time. Yeah, right. There's There's always a trade-off between kind of you know how how targeted you want to be and how much time you have and mm-hmm. yeah but if you want to get like the think best you have yeah true and if you want to get the best possible experience that's just again that's just taking part of uh, one part of the equation which is just the traffic and the can like you're not even talking about your landing page and how that could do so if you want to set yourself up for success and have you know good CTRs and and decent quality scores to start off that's great but i also know that of brand new advertisers that get into the game they're like frightened for life because they don't understand all these acronyms that are in there which makes sense right they're like oh what are all these columns i don't understand it so um but my my answer would be yes i'm biased on that end it also just gives a very 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 clear-cut easy to follow blueprint for everything that you're doing on the search network if you follow that there's not much you know second guessing you can do unless of course it just completely bombs and having less structure actually makes you know sense for you but it's it's extremely rare that we've seen that happen yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And we can talk about a little bit about the landing page thing. I know um, just when when I look at kind of new accounts or people working on them themselves, more times than not, they'll be sending most of their traffic to the homepage. And yeah. um, we we know, and so everyone knows, that's usually not a good strategy. Um, sure. Even even for your own branded campaigns, I mean, you can you can target a specific page and drive to a certain promotion or offer so um is there any other kind of tips around landing so it's 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 what you're saying is is true right it's best practices and there's a difference between the what we found is there's a difference between the type of offer that you're trying to do like if we were doing paid search for ourselves um and bidding on a non-branded keyword like pbc management company for example it will actually perform better for us to send traffic to our homepage than it will for a landing page. And the only reason why I know that is because the average um, session duration and average pages per visit from that keyword, because we have Google Analytics tracking on an unbounced landing page, for example, and then also on our website, if, if we isolate a person and go directly to the landing page, but we allow our logo to be a clickback to our homepage, most people do that. And the reason why, and I'm not you know, entirely scientific about it. But I would imagine is, is working with somebody like us is a big decision. And so a landing page isn't just going to give them all the information that they need to make that decision. And again, keep in mind that is a keyword that is more lower on the funnel. If somebody were looking for ideas on how to improve their click-through rate on the ads, maybe a landing page with a guide makes a ton of sense. 
But the time that they want them to actually make a decision to work with us, um, we have to basically utilize the offer that we have to match the temperature of, of that traffic. Meaning now they're ready to make a decision. They're going to, you know, consider us plus our, our competitors. So let's give them everything that they need to do to make that decision. Meaning let's show them who we are visually, like have a, a good presence on our about us page. Uh, let's have our blog be awesome. Let's, let's have what we call social proof in the form of blog comments and social shares. And like, let's make sure that things are just tidied up. Right. And so it, it, you're absolutely right. It's, it's, it's always great to start and, and know that landing pages are going to be potentially performing better, but be careful blindly assuming that at the same time. Yeah, like like uh, everyone says in online marketing, you always have to test test things. So yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, I kind of I kind of like throw up in my mouth a little bit every time somebody says that because it makes everybody sound like they're just a genius. And not that I'm somebody who 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 wants to be on a high pedestal. But they're absolutely accurate. But it's like, sure, but do you know what to test? And do you know how? And do you know how to tie that back into the money? Because a lot of people say, oh, we're going to keep testing and optimizing. And that's another keyword that I'm not uh, <laughs> optimizing. Know, too, yeah. yeah, I'm not too happy with. But I'm like, okay, cool. What are you optimizing? Are you adding negative keywords, changing bids for the sake of changing bids? And most of the time, most of the time, people are just going through the motions. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's fair. And and a little side note on the uh, landing page thing: I can't stand it when you can't click the the logo back to the home page. Yeah, and what are you going to do? You're just going to like change the actual URL. It's not. I mean, it's just a friction point that was added that wasn't good for you, and so. Over time, I'm imagining those friction points add up. If you don't, con- if you continually don't like what you see, and eventually you're going to bounce, right? So, so yeah, yeah, exactly. I agree. Yeah. Yep. So let's let's take a little little quick turn here and um, talk about people who are looking to get get a job in PPC or just getting yeah. getting started from that route. What um, what do you think is a good way to, you know, what other what should their first steps be? So I think I think a lot of times, um, and I actually just wrote a blog post for uh, Digital Marketing Institute, which is like a haven for um, certifications and stuff like that. And I almost like ripped them apart because certifications don't matter crap. Like you, could, there's two ways of learning, right? You can learn by reading, or you can learn by doing. It's kind of like, are you going to learn about basketball by reading the rule book, or are you going to actually play the game and scrape your knees? Uh, which one's faster? And so the answer is always learning by doing, and for like as far as expectations to set for somebody who's looking to start in the PPC career field is you have to get into the point where you can actually start messing and getting your hands dirty with an actual AdWords account. And that's tough because if you're solo, nobody's going to give you uh, basically the keys to what I would call their bank account because they can literally be money just being used pretty quickly. Um, so you have to do a way that that basically allows you to come in as a, a junior level, level person in the agency Somehow, either it being an intern level um, or, like I said, junior level. So um, th- the best thing you can, can do up until that point before you start learning by doing is learning by reading and then showing up and, and also knowing that, hey, you don't just have to be a data nerd like they did back in the 90s or early 2000s because people weren't really focusing on the landing pages and the creative side. You do have to have like both you know, parts of your brain actively firing at all times. Like I don't know how to use Excel, for example, and I've never needed to, but I'm pretty dang good at knowing like, okay, let's just keep in mind, like everything that we're doing is in relation to making more money for ourselves or for the client. And so obviously if we put it in the client's perspective first, that allows us to show them the results and then being able to charge more in the future. Um, so everything that we're doing um, as part of client boost today is like, Hey, if it's not making more money, if you can't tie this directly back to what, the end goal is let's pivot 
let's do something else. And so the, the best advice to bring it back um, to people who are brand new in the field is keep that in mind. Don't get obsessed with things that really don't matter. Um, and always question, like, are you moving in the right direction of something that makes your client or the in-house company that you're working for more money? If not, then uh, you're going to be, like, obsessed with, with what every 95% of other PBC people are out there, which is the stuff that doesn't matter. That's a good point. I don't think I've ever, uh, ever heard anyone say that they didn't use or weren't were an expert at Excel, though. It's dangerous, right? I was <laughs> I just became vulnerable, but I think it's cool. No, it's, I think it's, it's cool good. because like I think all the data that you need, and this is the cool thing too. Like most of our clients are um, are in the lead gen and SaaS space, not so much e commerce. Even though we have e commerce people on board, um, you don't need if you can focus on the macro things first before worrying about the micro things, which is when you start using pivot tables and stuff like that, and you move the needle big enough, instead of using single-step landing, single landing pages, you're now using multi-step landing pages because of the psychology behind that. And that moves the needle aggressively in the beginning when you just start out that relationship with that client, then certainly we'll go back and then use the data that's within AdWords. But we know that the biggest opportunities aren't necessarily in the AdWords account. Um, they're more so on what we can do to convince the current traffic that's already there. And so that's that's also what separates us from other agencies is that we don't you know we don't get too much into the weeds yet even though I'm not saying that they don't matter but you also have to have big data sets to be actual you know to be actionable with that um, and those are like the the Brad Geddeses of the world that work with like hotel chains and stuff like that which is great because now all those micro improvements add up and they compound over time and now they become very very valuable right um, so I'm, I don't discredit it. I just say, hey, so far, I haven't had to use it. <laughs> yeah, or you can let other people do it too, right? True, yeah. yeah. Um, you, you mentioned something, a multi-step landing page, and I know that you do a great job with that on your, your proposal yeah. kind of form. Will you explain <laughs> that a little bit? Yeah, so if you're, again, in the lead gen or SaaS space, um, mostly lead gen because SaaS, it's either like a trial or, or, or a free demo. Um, but if you're in the lead gen space, what basically matters is that when people go, and you, if you think about the psychology of visitors who go on Google, they have four ads to choose from and three on the bottom now. And knowing that they can just click back if they're not impressed with what they see as far as a first impression on your landing page, um, it's very easy to understand why no, nobody's going to be thrilled about filling out a form that requires name, email, and phone number. So if anybody comes through, they at least want to know, well, what's the biggest elephant in the room, no matter the vertical? If it's a service-based industry, it's always pricing, right? And so they hope they can get to a, a landing page, get your pricing, write it down, go back to Google, go to your competitor, do the same thing, and then compare, and then eventually call the, the winner. But that's not how we want lead gen to work on the marketing perspective. We want people to get their foot in the door so that we can capture their information and then call them back, right? And so if you think about the traditional one-step landing page, You'll get a person on the page and it has a certain maybe qualifying questions like how big is your company, how soon are you looking for a solution, what's your zip code, and then name, email, and phone number. When people see that, they know they're not going to get an answer to their question right away. They know that, they know that they're going to have to have a salesperson call them eventually. If you do what's called a multi-step, you basically hide the most threatening information that you can ask a person, which is their name, email, and phone number, at the end. And you ask them the easy questions to answer at the beginning. And that means that people that are easy to answer things in drop-down form or saying, oh, yeah, our company is like we have 100 employees and we're looking for a solution within the next week and uh, our zip code is this. Now they micro-committed and actually micro-converted on that step. 
And when they go to step two, that it says, you know, fill in your name, email, and phone number so we can send you whatever the call to action is, they're actually much more likely to do it. So the common, the common uh, belief that people say, hey, reduce the amount of form fields you have um, is actually kind of a bogus um, – uh, what do you call it? A bogus um, – a myth or something, yeah. No, not, yeah. A, not a myth. Like it works. It, it does. But like if you if you keep um, – oh my, I just completely went blank on like the, the specific word. Um, when, when I – advice, there you go. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so if you think about – if you have to remove everything as much as you can of fields um, as this is like the common you know, conversion rate optimization advice, well, what are you left with? The minimum you have to have is the, the information to be able to contact the person, right? But the problem is that's the most – threatening information that they don't want to give to you yet until they at least give, you know, they feel like you're scratching their back first. Um, and so with multi-step landing pages, you can effectively add way many more fields and way many more steps and hoops for a visitor to jump through. And funny enough, it improves the conversion rate. It does. Yeah. And when, when you only have a few fields at a time, it's not, it's not overwhelming. Like when you have, you know, eight things to fill out at once. So exactly, exactly. So you can break it up, and you can kind of go through it. And again, this comes back to the the old uh, the best advice in our world is we'll keep testing it, right? And it's true. <laughs> it kind of so mirrors that, um, like like a sales technique, like a yes letter, where you just ask someone something, you know, real simple, get them to say yes, and then keep kind of progressing. Exactly, and I think I think our uh, us marketers are are horny by nature, and I I don't blame anybody. Like it, it would obviously be great if you can just have a button on a landing page that says donate five thousand dollars for every visitor that comes through. But <laughs> yeah. before you do that, you have to court people. You have to you know the, a lot of people use the traditional um, dating saying is that you uh, you start texting before you start calling and before you hold hands, and then you know the, it progresses to the ultimate, which is like make babies, and now you're eighty years old. And, uh, you know, you, you guys are basically having your wedding celebration anniversary for 50 years. So you got to take the small steps and people get, you know, get their feet wet and get the foot in the door that way first. So absolutely. Yeah. What did they always say? You can't, can't ask for marriage or whatever on the first, first date is the, you probably could, but I bet you like your batting average would be pretty, pretty crappy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You could, you could. And well, yeah, in the marketing world, I guess people do unknowingly usually that's true they do and they don't think about it and also uh, on that note like people don't understand that different types of ppc traffic have different intent to convert with you and so we call this ppc temperatures and you have cold warm and hot um and people don't change up their call to actions and offers to match and they don't lower the threat of what they're asking the visitor to do to match the intent of that traffic. So they think that they can use the same, you know, get your free consultation for every th- single, you know, display or social or search that they're using. And it's just bullshit because, first off, nobody cares. Like, there's not much value that gets given in a consultation. There's a lot of answers that you can give a visitor in their mind before a consultation is needed to then have them decide whether they want the consultation or not. And so many people get that wrong. And so they just try to get aggressive with, you know, using the same call to action for everything that they're doing. Yeah, I know there's a big difference between, you know, someone typing in the word buy and someone just looking for ideas or something. So that's sure. Kind of a- that, well, and all, the other thing too is like, actually, uh, and this is some, something that I disagree with a lot. I remember, I forgot what the blog was, but it was like, yeah, you should be, if you want to like get people who are ready to buy, you should bid on the buy type of keywords. And I'm like, that's bullshit because they don't still don't know if they want to buy it from you, right? And again, don't don't get too romantic about yourself because they can just go back to Google and click on a competitor, and then 
you know, fill out their form too. So you can get a lot of people who are um, in the early stages of searching like, um, oh, here's an example. Let's say that you're a car buyer, right? From the general public, you buy cars and your bread and butter keyword is sell my car. But you also know that people are typing in what's my car worth. And before that, they might be typing in broken transmission. So in an effect, could you not bid on those keywords and try to sway people to actually fill out a form to get an offer for their car so that you can buy it? Absolutely, right? But those, those keywords before that didn't have the buy intent. They didn't have, or sorry, the sell intent, right? The sell my car, but you can still get them to work. And so you just have to make sure that your, your uh, conversion funnels and your sales funnels after you collect that data from them is, is apparent and following the, you know, the slow progression of like, again, getting people's foot in the door, giving them value, and then expecting something in return down the road where you can maybe buy the car, right? And maybe the sales, the sales cycle and the time it takes for those type of leads that are earlier in the search cycle are much longer than the ones that are typing in sell my car because they're ready to sell your car today. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. Um, I actually was just reading an article more around SEO, but it was similar in that you know there's a, there's a primary intent like fix my transmission, but there's a secondary intent around it, like like you said, mm-hmm. selling your car. So right, if like if they figure out, oh my gosh, like to fix my transmission, that's super expensive. Like, let me search like what's my car worth. And then, okay, cool. These guys look look legit. Like, let me just let me just see. Uh, let me type in "sell my car" and boom. Like now, you know that like the the broken transmission and what's my car worth were assist clicks that led up to the actual conversion off of the "sell my car" because we all know most of the time there's that last click attribution where that keyword gets all the credit, even though the other ones happened before that. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, for for everyone listening, make sure you don't remove keywords if they don't have conversions before you look into how they may assist in the conversion because exactly. you might you might lose a lot of your conversions by removing some of those. Exactly. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah let's keep moving. What uh do you have any any kind of difficult industry that you've that you've seen around I guess you focus on AdWords yeah, I mean, we do we do do a lot of Facebook too, um, okay. a lot of display on on the AdWords side, and obviously being ads as well. Um, and then for the ones that that make sense, the the Twitter and the LinkedIn's as well. Um, as far as challenges, it's it's more of a challenge when we have bigger companies that have branding guidelines where it almost feels like the person on the other on the client side only their their only job is to just. Um, ask for revisions. <laughs> and so this is more on the landing page side, but everything has to go through their formal process and I get it. But it's also at the same time like, you know, let's 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 minimize the amount of cooks that are in the kitchen and let's let's actually move forward. Um you're still paying us and we're being honest with you and telling you, "Hey, this is only delaying us and we haven't really made you any money yet." Those are the biggest headaches because um we usually set goals with clients where it enables us to make more money down the road. And so any delay in that, you know, performance execution on our end just kind of pisses me off um and most of it is just as you probably know and familiar with it's usually just opinionated stuff like it's and there's no data behind their their ideas or what they want to do and a lot of people on our end on our team are very kind people they're very yes oriented and when that happens you know they don't really try to uh be the devil's advocate sometimes and tries to you know push back on a client which i'm extremely good at um but i don't interact with all clients either so um that that's our our biggest challenge right now i think yeah no i agree and some some agencies you know they they make sure people 
pushback right away, you know, in the interview process and some, yeah. some don't, don't bring it up. So it, you know, it all depends. It and, does. um, I have, I have one client where I had to, you know, you have to go through legal for every ad that they, that they want improved. And right. <laughs> that it just makes things, I don't know. On, on one end, I'm like super happy about it because shoot, like you guys are really slow. You're not, your expectations aren't crazy. Perfect. Like, let's go as slow as you want. I don't care. Like if, if we set the minimum of what we're making to be where we're fine with, then let him be a tortoise, right? Um, if, if it's something else where like we are purposely lowering what we usually charge because we like the brand and we want to like have them as a case set in the future and be, and it's not until we unlock new performance that we can make more, then I get a little more impatient. So. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Sometimes you just, you have ideas you want to try. And then by the time, time things get, get through the process, sometimes it's like, it might be too late or something, but true. That could happen. It happens. But as long, as long as you're being honest with them and you have that communication being pretty strong, um, then you basically, you know, put the ball in their court and say, Hey, this is going to push us back. And we are now up on month three of working together and no campaigns have launched you know, that worst case scenario. But as long as they understand that, um, if they then come back and say, Hey, we have to stop because, you know, things are taking, you know, going too slow. I usually like flip a table and I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? And like, (laughs) we talked about this, you know, and like usually nobody really does that, but I could imagine that happening. (laughs) No one actually flips, flips a table. Just myself. Okay. Like figuratively, not literally. (laughs) I'm kind of picturing it. So (laughs) do you, uh, another Another question here. Do you um, use any tools to manage, you know, all these different ad networks or bid bidding systems or anything like that? No, I think um, like the, the, the biggest one that, you know, are known for like third party tools are like the bidding ones like Marin and Kenshu. And I think honestly, they're a bit overhyped. I only see the value in them when it's very black and white e-commerce style. Um, for lead gen and things like that, because we do so much landing page testing, any bidding rules that we would have set up and spent the time on setting up uh, would be completely trashed because we've improved conversion rates or done something else that you know doesn't take that into account. Um, so we're pretty pretty manual over here, meaning we're using AdWords Editor, the AdWords interface. Um, we're not really using something like AdStage or AdEspresso or Nanigans for social. It's usually just within the business manager account of the client. Um, and then most of our tools are actually on the landing page side. So like Unbounce, Hotjar, uh, VWO, and things like that is what we use. Yeah, yeah, I know those, those are great for you know quickly creating landing pages and being able to A-B test. And hmm? Do you do, um, what is it, dynamically insert text into the landing pages as well? Um, yes and no. It's a lot of fluff. Like It's a cool thing. But most of the time we found that just having solid themes um, to the landing pages and have headlines that are more results or goal-driven in the eyes of the visitor uh, without worrying about trying to fit in you know, in a clever way, each keyword that comes through works better than trying to to like dynamically swap things out, but we do use it sometimes. Um, but it's rare that it, that it actually it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, then you got to care about if the keyword's too long and then it pushes the, the headline and it looks awkward and it, it like now it bleeds over other texts. And those are the kind of things that, you know, th- don't make sense sometimes. Cool. Yeah, no, I, um, I'm kind of into the manual, you know, using AdWords editor and interface and everything. So yeah. I think, I think there's still value for us mere mortals who, uh, <laughs> We don't need robots to take over our jobs just yet, so uh, it, it's good to hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I know it's there's there's a debate, and I guess it depends what you know what your experience is too. So 
Yeah. And a lot of people are obsessed with the programmatic side. And again, like, I think, like, and not to go off completely off track, but like in Switzerland, they are talking about having like a minimum income for all humans that live there because, uh, you know, of the, of the fear or I guess the, this regular all humans, progress. right? That, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Humans, like, we're, we're, you know, automation just takes over and like people aren't going to have jobs anymore. So um, I think because we are marketers and like you had the creative side now, and it's not just, it's not just numbers driven and data driven like most people will have you believe. And I also think that our industry is inundated with, um, you know, blog posts and content about all the nooks and crannies of an AdWords account or a Facebook account, which is cool because people are just like running out of ideas to write about. But it also like just adds to a, uh, a, a like a mirage of fear that you know, they could do. Like, don't even worry about it. like don't worry about that right now because you're not even there. Like, just worry about the fundamentals of you know improving your conversion funnels before you care about that because. As you start from the back and move to the to the beginning, you unlock so much more potential. At the, you know to to be more aggressive with your bidding and things like that. So, I, I I think we're still safe for a while as far as being and having jobs. Yeah, I agree. And like you said, it all it all comes back to just continue driving driving sales and conversions and yeah. At, at the end of the day, things, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's what it's what makes money, and uh, that that's all that matters. So, if there's a robot that's better at doing this than me, then. Uh, I'm going to have to go back to the, the auto detailing business. Start whack, waxing cars again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, hey, it, I mean. Oh, shit. That actually might, I might lose my job there first, actually. I would imagine that they have like, like full on, maybe not all the nooks and crannies, like where a robot just completely does everything, but it will probably happen. So, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll listen to this in like <laughs> 10 years and <laughs> <laughs> come back to it. Um, I guess this kind of ties in. Like, do you think anything is is missing from specifically like AdWords or Facebook ads in regards to like how you can target? Um, I think there's always more to be done and more to ask for. Like one of the one of the uh, yeah, I would love to be able to like target somebody individually. Like Ross, I want to find your AdWords account, or sorry, not your AdWords account, <laughs> but I want to like I want to target you directly on Facebook. And maybe maybe there's a minimum to say like you have to target at least ten people, but um, just having like micro micro position uh, like that would be pretty rad. Um, but I also think it's going to be hard because the smaller you get, the less data you get back, and so you can't really do much with it. Um, but that would be cool. Like yeah, that's, that's there's the always a missing. privacy issue too. Yeah, with there, some of that stuff. There's, which is bogus. Uh, yeah. It should be. <laughs> I'm sure there, it's like it's like a lot of people complain about it, but then they don't really act. Their, their actions don't reflect what they say um, about you know their data being sold and all that stuff. Um, but on, on another note, like I think I'm actually really happy with what is possible these days, and I think it's really cool being in the agency world is that you're really not you're really not tied you're not you're not married to any platform you really just go where the attention goes and where the people are going and so if that means that Snapchat which they recently just opened up uh, more ad capability is where that target audience is for that client well screw you AdWords and screw you Facebook we're going to Snapchat you know what I mean so that that's a cool thing and I think a lot of the the free tools that people you know they're on Twitter and they're bitching about Twitter ads. I'm like, well, f you. Like, get off the platform. Like, anything that's free, all the content that you're reading, like, start paying for it, and let's see who's going to actually pay for it, right? And so, I think just being able to not, again, be romantic about what you're doing and how you're making your money as an agency really helps you be able to pivot quickly if you need to. Because um, I still think like the AdWords is like the 
like the the 1.0 internet where like Facebook and social and like demographics and interests and audience targeting is more web 2.0 where like much more plumbing on the back end is needed to be successful than you know straight you know let's just harvest the demand that AdWords search is giving us. Yeah, no, and it's it's I mean AdWords is getting there, but you know they just released what is it the similar audiences, so they're they're playing mm-hmm. kind of catch up with Facebook and the, the lookalikes. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Cool. I think I think that about covers it for for today. Is there anything else that you'd like to I'd like to add share? in there? No, I, yeah. <laughs> you know, like when you speak with somebody and like you think, oh my god, like we've only been speaking for like ten minutes, and you look at the clock, it's been like forty five, and you're like, oh crap, like this is one of them. Um, I, I, you know, as far as the audience, I always like to go. Uh, deeper than usual and, and see what I can unpack as far as giving more value. So anybody who's new, um, and I'm actually going to, to Vancouver. Everyone's here. new. So. Every, okay, cool. So <laughs> I'm actually going to Vancouver here um, next week and speaking at the Unbounce conference there. And my whole, my whole deck is about let's bring it back to basics and let's make sure that any agency that you work with or anybody that you have in-house understands that they need to be a problem solver first and then follow where the money is, right? Because there's so many accounts where like you're optimizing for nothing. You're not you're not bringing any value, or you're not showing progress on anything. Um, and I think a lot of people have just become complacent, and the expectations from the client side have been there. So if you are gonna if you're listening to this and you are gonna go into an agency uh, and be brand new to PPC, or maybe you already are an agency owner or an agency employee or whatever, like you're actually doing PPC, um, challenge yourself to say like. What can I do to keep bringing value in a progressive manner? Meaning like you're not just having one win and you're chilling. Like you actually are launching new things and you always have ideas up your sleeve on new things to do. Um, I think that's not so much value <laughs> that I'm giving because I'm giving you no tactics. But I'm just I'm challenging you with, you with a question. And this is something that I need to get better at too myself. Is like what can I keep doing to, uh, to pull a bunny out of my hat in a, in a good way that actually brings value to the people that we're working with. So I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, so where can, where can people, besides the Unbounce conference, which probably will be passed by the time that people listen to this? Where, yeah. uh, <laughs> uh, you can then catch me at Estonia if you're just randomly – no, just kidding. I, I will actually be in Estonia uh, in July. But um, we are physically in Costa Mesa, California in Orange County. Um, beyond that, we can go, go to clientboost.com. We decided to be very fancy and not spell our name with a C but with a K instead. And uh, Twitter is always a good option as well. So find, find me there. Perfect. Well, uh, thanks. Thanks for coming on, and um, good luck. Good luck with everything at uh, Client Boost. Thank you so much, and thank you. Uh, thanks so much for the opportunity and all the uh, the listening ears. Thank you for your attention. It's been awesome. Yeah.